Change your vehicle's oil before your summer road trip and save money now with Pennzoil and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic for just $22.95 after mail-in rebate. Save money and protect your engine against sludge and wear with the synthetic oil change. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today or O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. And what's up? Welcome in. Luke Doty brings us in as he is going to do every single day for the remainder of the lifetime of GC Live. Uh, this is the Friday episode of GC Live. I am Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. And before we forget, got to tell you about our good friend Clint Hammond over at the Mortgage Network right across from Dreer High School here in Columbia, South Carolina. If you're looking to buy a home, you're looking to maybe upgrade a home or maybe even uh, you're a first time home buyer or you're an experienced investor. Get up Clint, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. Interest rates are very low, and even if you're settled in and, and maybe just want to refinance and save a little money each month, Clint can help you out with that as well. So appreciate Clint. He is our primary presenting sponsor of GC Live um, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then, of course, during the football season, we go every single day. And um, appreciate Clint and appreciate you joining us. And Chris, we appreciate all feedback that we receive of our show. Like I say, every single day, um, or when I say it, I say, hey, go subscribe, leave a review. You don't even have to be nice. Just leave some type of review. And when I say that, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. (laughs) And um, somebody took me very literally. So I I do hope, I I shared this on Twitter, I do hope most of our listeners like the show a little bit better than our buddy, Warcox on Gamecock Central Insiders Forum, who left this review. Uh, I would love to watch you guys, but you just don't have the personality for it. Just too dry. I love the content. It would be better if you put all that in written format. Thanks. And then I think he started to feel a little bit mad or a little bit bad for how harsh he was being. He said, We'll give you an A plus for effort. My apologies. So <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. We suck, according to Warcock, but uh, it is free-for-all Friday. Hopefully some of you, most of you, get some added value from the show. We certainly enjoy doing it. Thank you for joining us. This will be a free-for-all Friday edition, which means we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. We'll take your questions, and um, man, we we have got a lot to talk about. Uh, We normally have Colin on on Fridays. I may still see if we can effort getting Colin on. There's just been a lot to sort through today. Um, spring practice continues. Uh, South Carolina with their third spring practice of the year of the spring, I should say, this or yesterday. We're recording this and going live here, obviously, on Friday. Men's basketball situation rolls on. Hopefully there's some finality there. And, and again, I, Chris, I, I'm sort of scared here, honestly, that uh, as we do this live show, but then put it on in podcast form, are we going to be outdated if we talk about this at 2.06 p.m. on on Friday by the time some people listen to it this weekend? Very possible. Uh, But we, I do think, need to dive into that just a little bit at least. And then uh, baseball, huge, huge series this weekend. 
Um, I I think not not to get too much, not to put too much on one series, Chris, but when you look at how this thing's played out so far, um, obviously we know about South Carolina getting swept at Texas. Obviously we know about uh, South Carolina losing two of three, but winning the final game at Vandy and um, really took care of business on Wednesday against the Citadel. To me, this is like a swing type series for South Carolina um, where winning two out of three really puts you like right back in the mix and in a good spot. Whereas losing two of three or, you know, getting swept just, I mean, when you go one into just the way the numbers work. Yeah. If you're one and two right now, if you drop to one and five, that is very hard to dig out of against great competition and in three game series, just the way they work. So, um, so we'll, we'll get into that again. I'm, I'm going to text Colin. Maybe he can hop on at some point. Um, don't want to overwork him. He's got a lot going on as well. But, Chris, first of all, are you ready for the weekend? Second of all, what do we start with? I am ready for the weekend. I'm ready for the weather to turn around. A little, little bit nasty today. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a big weekend. Obviously, Wes, the, most of the morning for us has been uh, – Totally dominated by uh, some some basketball information we've been running down, and probably we should start with that. I think I think that would make some sense to jump right in, not bury the lead, and uh, start talking a little bit about Frank Martin, the latest with the hoop situation. No, you just posted an update not too long ago, past hour or so, on the Insiders Forum for subscribers of Gamecock Central. If you're not one, you should be. But I, I think we should start there. Just the latest on the hoop situation. I agree, man. And, and by the way, um, I, I was sort of caught into what's happening, uh, you know, today. But I, we have to mention, because obviously we don't have a show on Saturday or Sunday, but by the time we have another show, South Carolina women's basketball will have already competed in the Sweet 16. So uh, we did get some clarity a little bit earlier this week on when the game is, on what time, what time the game is, and where you can watch it. So Sunday, March 28th, obviously this Sunday, 1 p.m., South Carolina versus Georgia Tech. That game is nationally televised on ABC. So um, obviously South Carolina trying to advance to the Elite Eight and don't want to leave that out and wanted to make sure that we mention that as well. I'm sure Gamecock fans everywhere will be watching that on, on Sunday and, and really, again, a big weekend for South Carolina athletics, both on the field and off the field slash court. So, uh, Chris, again, I agree. Let's start there. And I will start by saying this has probably been um, one of the more fluid situations uh, as far as just there being so many variables to try and follow, to try and track, to try and uh, make sure we are keeping – record of, I guess, for the lack of, you know, way to say it. Um, it, it's always interesting. You, you know, you gather the most information you can. And, uh, in this one, there have been, I think some, not necessarily a consensus, um, at, at all times, as far as what the best course of action is, I think, you know, for, for most of the last, what, I guess two weeks, this is gone. We, we've sort of been a little bit conservative as far as just saying, Hey, this is a fluid situation. Um, worth pointing out as this week has gone on. And, you know, as we said on the Insiders Forum, 
it appeared to be trending towards a more than likely a change at, at men's basketball coach spot with, you know, with Frank Martin, whatever that may look like. We know that other schools he's been, you know, maybe mentioned in connection with other jobs or, you know, whether it's just South Carolina itself making a move. As we're recording this um, and going live 2 o'clock, a little after 2 o'clock on Friday, as we also posted on Gamecock Central, Chris, appears to be maybe shifting back the other way. And I, I think we, we started to get that feel when we delivered that message this afternoon. And then I would say maybe that's even strengthened in the last, what, hour or so. Um, again, we have to reiterate, it's a fluid situation. Um, it's not done until it's done. I do think there's going to be some semblance of this thing having a clear course of action um, very soon. And I hope that it does for everyone involved. But um, right now, I I think safe to say that Frank Martin will have an opportunity to come back as South Carolina's coach. And um, Chris, I guess safe to say that maybe we would lean towards that being the most likely outcome at this point it certainly does seem that way according to what we've heard this morning and you know we like the, the cool thing about this show Wes is is you know think things when you're putting it down on paper or over text or whatever over an email um, it, it's not the written word it cannot always sort of perfectly capture everything and so we're able to give a little bit more context and sort of be a little honest about not necessarily like how the sausage is made but a little bit go a little bit farther, you know, into things. And so, um, like you said, extremely fluid situation. Our reporting has reflected that because that's how it's been. It's not, it's not been a black and white situation. It's been very much a gray situation for a lot of reasons. And just being totally honest, totally frank about it. Uh, there's some stuff that we don't know yet as far as like why or how, like we don't know that stuff yet. Um, we just know that there has been a shift from where it appeared to be heading, like you said earlier this week, um, up until this morning with some things we started to pick up. Why is that? I don't fully know. I don't think either, either of us know right now. And we'll continue doing our job to try to find out, you know, maybe what some of those things were that we can we can pass along and report. But um, that does appear to be the direction now, which is certainly interesting. Um, there, there are a lot of layers to it. There's a lot of complexities to the situation, but that's where it seems to be right now. Yes, and uh, again, could, could you know, is there some chance it could maybe somehow, you know, switch again? I, I mean, we don't anticipate it, but also you, you never know. It's it is fluid until it is final. Is um is my new motto of life. Uh, it is fluid until it's final. And right now, as of 2.14, um, it is not final, but we will see where it goes. And, you know, I, I think that now, uh, let, let's let's play it out. Let's assume that that ends up being what happens. Now, if you're at the University of South Carolina, this thing has sort of um, hung out there for about two weeks now, right? And which it, it's – in the big picture, it is just two weeks in sports, hot take, Twitter, message board, uh, 2021 world. 
two weeks is a long time <laughs> and feels like a long time. Yeah. So now I think, Chris, the, the attention has to be on finding a way to then put as much support as possible out there for, for Frank Martin and, and finding a way to fix this thing. You don't, you never want to bring a guy back just to bring a guy back. You never want to bring a guy back to run out the clock on a contract. Um, right. If you bring somebody back, you, you got to give them what they need to go win. So for me, I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but you've got to throw as much support as possible um, behind Frank Martin, or else you end up with a situation similar to Muschamp where, you know, you, you let him go hire a new offensive coordinator, um, brought him back, and then you felt like you were in the exact same spot a year later and, and got rid of him. Yeah, and, and that's going to be, again, th- this thing, as we were here at 2.15 on Friday without, you know, resolution being actually announced or, you know, still trying to find out a lot about the path forward and, and what may ultimately happen. We don't know those things yet, right? We're sitting here right now. Um, so we don't know, you know, for instance, what's the deal with the contract? Like, we don't know those things yet. Um, and, and, and those things will all be key, you know, to, to the future. Obviously, when, when you look in the short term, the more short term um, biggest thing, biggest factor that's going to, to shape everything is just next season. I mean, it's a big, it's obviously no matter what, you take away all the other factors. Next year is obviously going to be key for the basketball program. Um, they're going to have to get back to some type of winning ways for there to be, we think, you know, we think sitting here right now, for there to be a long-term, um, you know, marriage <laughs> that, that'll continue. Uh, but we, we just don't have a lot of answers, like you said, Wes, about like the support level and the, the, uh, <laughs> The, um, you know, all those different factors, like, like we just don't know it yet. Um, and, and those are things that have to get answered because they're, they're very important. And so how South Carolina now handles this situation, I think is really interesting. I don't know if we have a great sense yet. You know, is there, is, is there, is there a contract address, addressing of the contract? Is there other statements put out? Like how is it handled from a, like a PR standpoint, just to be frank? I think that part's sort of fascinating. Yeah, I think there has to be a lot of that, Chris. I think you have to you have to put some stuff out. You have to maybe call the end end of year press conference and uh, and sort of start the, for lack of a better phrase, the healing process. I think moving forward. Uh, right before we went on, by the way, I I asked Chris, you know, how long would it take before somebody made fun of my hat because I never wear a hat on the show. I think we were two minutes late starting. So at two sixteen, uh, so that that would be the answer would be fourteen minutes. It took fourteen minutes. James uh, says he likes my hat, but his mom has one just like it. I I, li- I like this hat. I don't know. It maybe fits a little weird on top of my head. I've been messing with it, but I think it's a cool hat. It's all good. Whatever. Um, let's see. Uh, St- Stephen asked Gamecock Russ if he's watching the baseball game or if he's got date night tonight. By the way, I saw on Twitter Gamecock Russ. Twitter official as of, I think, maybe the last week or so. So what's up, Gamecock Russ? Uh, shout out to you, man. Congrats. We'll give you 
the GC Live shout out there. And um, let's see. Hope says any date night should include Gamecock Sports. Good. That's See, that's a good call. He can do both. Why not both? Um, so, anyway, Chris, you, do you have anything else to add on the men's basketball situation as of now? Or to add on my hat, I see you got like a little grin on your face. No, I just – I was telling you before the show, you know, when you, when you brought that up, I'm just glad that I am not the brunt of the joke today and getting made fun of. There's still plenty of time, lots of time left in the show. Get them in. My hair, my shirt, how it's falling down my neck, the facial hair, the red face, whatever you want. Oh, I didn't mean to hit that button. And uh, you make fun of me for that, not knowing, like technology. Wes makes fun of me for that sometimes because sometimes I have an allergy to different technological things. So there's still time. But, yeah, no, nothing else to uh, to add. And I did, I did see one comment from Jonathan here on Facebook. And th- this is an interesting point. We were talking about this earlier, Wes. Four years to the day, right, of, <laughs> of the Final Four run. Which is which is pretty interesting, and look since then uh, again complexities in, in all in the different situations. You know, compl- not not black and white exactly, but um, the, if there's one thing that there is a consensus on in this whole basketball situation, it's, it's that, that there's no consensus. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that is one, but as far as on court. I don't think there's anybody looking around this going, yeah, the past couple of seasons, that's been fine. You're like, nobody's saying that in this whole deal. I think there's definitely been, like you said, man, no consensus on the path forward, right? That, that, that's been the issue, whether it's, you know, you throw in a, a potential $6 million buyout, then you talk about recruiting, then you talk about, well, why has the team not won the past couple few seasons? Can they win? Like there's all these different things you can draw in, and that's when the debate starts. I don't think that there's a debate where anybody's saying it's good enough. It's not, and that's why I said that next season, you know, it was thought originally that this season would be the critical one. There are some changes that, you know, have, have thrown that into that gray area that we talked about. So now it's next year, and, and that one, that one, I do think we got reason to believe that's that's going to be sort of that referendum year. But um, yeah, four years to the day of the Final Four. Hasn't been good enough since, so can it get fixed? And it looks like, as we've been discussing the whole show, just about Frank Martin is going to have the opportunity to fix that. Yeah, we will be joined, by the way, by Colin Taylor later on in the show, probably about 20 minutes from now. So we'll dive into um, baseball with Colin. So I, I think you and I, maybe Chris, will talk a little bit of football here and then shift it to baseball for the final 20 minutes. Um Josh says, Wes in a hat, that's weird. Um, I, w- I was very curious to see y'all's reactions, by the way. And I, I do, I actually like, if I'm just around the house, I like the backwards hat feel better than the forwards hat. But I feel, I knew I was going to get so much crap if I hopped on here. I think okay. I'm past the age um, of backwards hat in public, maybe, unless you're just doing, like, working in the yard or something. So, I did not go that route. David asks, is Martin going to have contract extended? Um, we shall see, David. I, I don't know I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, we have not been given details on what it's going to look like as far as the structure moving forward, assuming that it heads the direction we believe it is, which would be Martin staying. I mean, again, that, that goes back to 
what I said earlier, if you're going to bring someone back, um, you have to support them. You know, you can't just bring them back and go, hey, good luck. So does that involve an extension? Does that involve an extension, but a, a lowered buyout for the future? Um, is that something they talk about? We, we don't know. But, again, you, ha- you have to support someone if you're going to bring them back. Literally no point in bringing someone. It, you can't, like the, the, the movie trope where the owner, like, doesn't support the, the manager or coach of the team and, and secretly wants them to fail. That does no one any good whatsoever. So if you bring them back, you, you have to support them is my uh, opinion on that. So football, let's see, Chris, some, some Gamecocks talking today, and thanks to Colin for sort of pinch hitting for me with some of the players that that spoke because I was supposed to listen to that and, and provide some updates. Then you and I were, were working on this Martin stuff. He hopped in several – I'll say, first of all, let's go big picture, man. Several guys that I know fans – we're probably pretty excited to hear from or wanted to hear from and maybe would have liked to have heard from in the past. They spoke to the media today. So you've got, let's see, Orchard Smith, um, Eric Douglas, and Eric Douglas, he spoke a lot last year, really sharp dude who always had some good thoughts. Randricus Davis, who we have not heard from, from, you know, in forever. Nick Muse, always a good listen, always a good quote. Doesn't always make people happy with what he says, but I respect the fact that he says what he believes. And then how about this? Marshawn Lloyd, Luke Doty, who we did actually get to talk to a little bit last year at the end once Mike Bobo took over. So a, I would say a pretty star-studded group of guys that, that spoke to the media, and you're starting to see a little bit more or even a lot more open program as far as fans being able to hear from these guys, which I believe is a point of emphasis for the current coaching staff. Yeah, de- definitely feels like that. I mean, obviously one of the changes Shane Beamer made allowing, you know, freshmen to talk, but even beyond that, you know, just obviously Marshawn Lloyd, we did not hear from last year or Trey Smith was not with the team. So Randrikis Davis, a lot of people wondering what's going on with him after an opt out year and after going through a lot of injuries and Luke Doty, um, like you said, we did hear from some last year, but, you know, it, it's going to be one of the leaders of this football team. So it was a really interesting group of uh, some guys that have been, you know, that we just haven't heard from in that type of setting before. So a lot of interesting stuff just on, you know, with Ortre, I think talking about his knee and the, the situation he went through that, how he got back from it was really neat hearing about Marshawn's rehab. Um, hearing some players' thoughts on on the new staff and how things are being done, and Luke Day, thought some really interesting comments today from from members of this football team. Yeah, and uh, you can sort of have a, a full recap there on Gamecock Central if you're a subscriber. Colin, I understand, is working on a Marshawn Lloyd article right now with some of his thoughts. That'll be up, I think, in the next probably 15 minutes or so. Uh, I'm trying to sort of go through the the notes a little bit. Portray um, said his body feels great right now. He, he essentially, and Chris, you and I can relate to this. When, when he opted out, he essentially went home, uh, got a gym membership to, what did he say, Crunch Fitness? Crunch. right? And then uh, just started eating a lot of Chipotle, which I got to admit is one of my favorites. I believe it's one of Chris's favorites. And an excellent post, uh, 
post-workout meal if you're trying to to sort of get a little bit of everything and, and build some muscle. So, or Trey, we mentioned this, I guess that was probably Monday's show. Looked great physically. No brace on the knee, no sleeve on the knee. Um, appeared to be in a, a, a good place physically. Uh, or Trey's saying he's ready to try and be the number one receiver. His main goal is to be the best receiver that he can be. Uh, really likes the new staff. Um, first meeting with Beamer was talking about the program as a whole. And the message was to get ready to work. But he also says Beamer is a family person. Um, and that They've been doing a lot of things that are required uh, that you do them with your teammates to build cohesion within the team. Things that are designed to make the guys closer. Uh, said the knee feels great. Uh, said his family and his trainer have played a big role in his life. And um, let's see. Is that There's a little bit more in there. But that, that's sort of the, the quick rundown. And if you want to talk about ifs. You know, like if this happens, South Carolina would be this next year. Or Trey Smith is one of those big ifs, I think. And you know, what what were we calling them last year, Chris? The wild cards, like the guys that that could make a big impact that maybe haven't necessarily done it quite yet at, at you know this point in their careers. Well, the if for me is if you get Or Trey Smith. Uh, that has built off of his freshman year, what we all saw he could possibly be, then this guy's a sure starter for you and and probably an impact guy. Yeah, I mean, his freshman season in 2017, obviously he was a guy that had a lot of scholarship offers coming out of high school, was pretty highly regarded out of Wando and, um, you know, had size and jump ball ability, and he showed some flashes of that. I think he caught 30 balls that freshman year made some big plays, four touchdowns for the Gamecocks. I remember, you know, the so, – sorry to bring this up. I mean, it, it was a win, but not a fun game for Gamecock fans. The L.A. Tech game, you know, he made some big plays in that game. Um, I think he had a touchdown against Texas A&M in that road game that South Carolina barely dropped in College Station. So, there there were certainly some um, some plays that he made, and he showed a lot of that potential. And then, you know, just the, the injury situation, the opt-out situation, again – we. We discussed this before, Wes, like people think about surgery sometimes, say, oh, surgery's fixed now. But, you know, especially with a surgery that complex, where you're literally moving a kneecap over, sublux kneecap, you're moving it over, you not only have to deal with the pain of that, but um, Ortre even went into detail about how he had to get it fixed again. And so um, you, there's some complications with that. And so he looks good. Like you said, man, bare knees at practice the other day. And um, look good running around out there. So now the key is going out there and, and playing receiver, right? The, the health now is in place. He's got some experience. He's got some – he's he's not a veteran because he's really played, what, one season. Um, but he's an older guy, and he's a guy that sort of knows the ropes to that degree. He's got some SEC and some big game experience. So uh, would certainly be big. South Carolina is going to need some guys like Ortre Smith, those wild cards that you said, to step forward – if they're going to be able to take a step forward on the field this season. Yeah. And, and I don't know that we can, we, we, we also got to remember the, the sort of impact of, of having somebody new working with you at, at receivers coach and having a guy like Justin step very highly regarded as a developer. Um, also as a recruiter, but in this case, uh, the developer part is what matters. So that could be massive. I, I think for more Trey and, so did I? Obviously, didn't hear the entire thing. Did did he reveal that today, Chris? That he 
had to have multiple surgery surgeries or did we already know that? Yeah, I I think that was something just revealed today. I hadn't actually not heard that. And I need to go through and pull exactly what he said just to make sure that I, I actually saw that right. Um, oh, they had to move. Maybe they were talking about – I think maybe he was talking about the, the first surgery there. So I might have actually gotten that wrong. Uh, I feel like okay. I saw something out there about it, about having to move it over. But I know the, the actual surgery for the sublux kneecap is you move it over. Um, so you literally are moving your kneecap from one place to another. So – Maybe not a second one, but they did have to fix that. And I did hear, um, and, and something you didn't really go into as much today, I don't think, is that's a, just a tough surgery to come back from, um, from a pain management standpoint. Like, even though after the surgery he was healthy, the genetic condition was fixed, quote unquote, there's some pain tolerance issues and things like that that you got to work through. It just takes some time. So um, it, it, was a, it was a big procedure. It's a tough thing. Uh, somebody mentioned wasn't they said wasn't Ortray way more highly recruited than Shy Smith. I I wouldn't go that far. So I, I just pulled it up. Um first of all, they're completely different types of receivers. So it's kind of hard to compare. I think it's even though they're receivers, sometimes it's apples to oranges when you're talking about different types uh, of players at, at that same position. According to Rival, both were four star guys. Um Ortray the number one oh four overall prospect nationally. And Shy the number two hundred five, so so some distance there. Shy the number thirty four receiver, or trade the number fifteen receiver, and again both the guys in the same class as class of twenty seventeen, and or trade actually or trade the number one player in the state, and Shy the number two player in the state that year, according to Rivals.com. There was a question also about uh, the years that that or trade would have left. So so right now. Ortre is listed as a redshirt senior um, with COVID, obviously. So he plays this year as a redshirt senior. With COVID, he would have another year to play next year. Um, Let's see. I'm trying to think back. Would he would he be a candidate for an, another season after that, Chris? Because the injuries, one of the red shirts that's already calculated in, what was due to injury, and I really, honestly, I can't see at this point guys don't stay. You know that that would be a third year basically. So this year, next year, and one more. I can't see that even being part of this equation. You know, but so technically, right now, as far as um, it goes, he would, he would have two years left. So now, now they are, they're listing the guys as if last year counted, if you look at the official roster. So he's listed as a redshirt senior, but he would have one more year to come back next year if he wanted it. And, you know, we'll see, obviously he would love to have a big enough year at his age that, you know, that, that he could be a potential draft guy next year. So, Obviously, there, there's a lot to be determined there as far as if that can happen or not. Rodriguez Davis, as I said, one of the other opt-outs. And some, something that hit me when reading this, and, and Davis said that he had he had two screws put in his leg last year, Chris, and said that he, he thought it was in his best interest to sit out and just get healthy. Um, and uh, we're actually getting – 
By the way, Chris, you see this? We're getting a update here from someone I believe would very much know yeah. the situation with Ortray, uh, who said he did not have multiple surgeries. The surgeries, the actual surgery, was just very complex. So um, we will definitely take this person's word on that one. They uh, will definitely know the answer there. But but again, yeah, an outstanding opportunity, I think, for, for Trey Smith this year, uh, a wide receiver position that um, is going to be wide open, and he'll have every opportunity, I think, to get out there and get on the field and, and make some plays and, um, and and sort of step into that role that he envisioned, I'm sure, when he signed with South Carolina and, and when we saw him really flash a ton of potential. If, if you look at the freshman season that Ortre Smith had compared to just other freshmen at South Carolina. There's not a ton of freshmen that have that put up numbers like he did. So yeah. the flashes, the talent, the potential, it's all there. You know, it's just a matter of him being able to get back to um you know to, to that healthy form that, that we saw then. Yeah, and, and you know that's what we're saying, man. He's he's made some big plays and big game you know, situations, um, just hasn't had, you know, that opportunity, you know, 30 catches, 326 yards, had a 28 yard long and three touchdowns, um, actually had one touchdown in 2019. I guess that's where I was getting the four touchdowns from actually had three in 2017, but made some really big plays, um, and, and certainly has flashed that potential. So it's great that he's healthy back out there. I mean, Ortre Smith, he's, he's been engaged with the team for quite a while, and so, um, you know, even dating back to the bowl game, you know, that's something we reported that he was really engaged with the team at the team meeting with Beamer, which he spoke about today. And he's just been working his way back and, look, and looked really good out there when we got to see him, Wes. Wes, I'm actually going to take a call real quick. Okay. All right. Um, well, make sure you mute yourself for that. Um, <laughs> I, we'll, we'll let Chris roll. Hopefully he comes back on. Doesn't leave me hanging, but I believe that's probably an important call there for Chris. Hey, y'all can actually see my Gamecock Central background now. Um, all right, I don't like doing this thing by myself. So if y'all got questions, throw them in. Y'all can sort of lead the conversation here and give me something to talk about. But what I was about to say was Randricus Davis talking today. And again, I, I did not actually get to hear it, but I was going through Colin Taylor's notes there on Gamecock Central. You know, and it sort of struck me. Uh, he, he had two screws put in his leg and um, really, uh, you know, has been a guy that has been just hamstrung with injuries from the second he arrived on campus. And, you know, y'all, you can go back. Randrickus Davis, he was a four-star prospect, very, I would say, very to fairly highly recruited was considered a major win for South Carolina at the time when they landed him. So and and showed flashes as, as a freshman as well. So I think when you look at Randricus, I, I wonder what is the value or, or how great is the value after being injured for so long of just being able to take a year and let your body reset. You know, what what is the value of being able to not get beat up, not cut, not you know, go through these strenuous workouts. Um, I'm not sitting here predicting, you know, that he's that you can say he's definitely going to have a huge season right now. But, you know, you look at Randricus Davis and the sort of opportunity he will have, he's kind of the forgotten guy. 
and kind of the guy that um, people aren't talking about, but could sort of come out of nowhere and, and have an opportunity to, to go make some plays this year. And, and as uh, is pointed out here on Periscope, um, and I agree 100%, a lot of fans really don't understand how tough it is for these kids to come back from an injury. We look at injuries as media and fans as being, and and I'm going to go ahead and bring Colin Taylor in here now, we look at injuries as being an abstract thing. Like, oh, that guy's injured, that's a part of the game. Well, for the kids that are actually going through those injuries, they're the ones having to go through the actual pain. We don't think about the pain they go through. We don't think about the mental aspect of injuries. We don't think about the just hours and hours and days built up of rehab that they go through and physical therapy. So that sometimes gets lost on us as media, as fans, as people on the outside watch looking in. So always important to get a reminder of that. And uh, we, we bring Colin in and uh, Colin, uh, First of all, appreciate you uh, picking up the slack for me there on the Zoom this afternoon. And we, we heard from uh, from a couple of guys who, uh, like we're talking about right now, have, have dealt with injuries, have dealt with the physical and mental part of having to deal with that. And um, and now, you know, I, I think you're are going to have opportunities. What what was the vibe you got? From you know, from listening to Ortre Smith talk, from listening to Rodriguez Davis, and then I'm you know about to forget Marshawn Lloyd. He spoke today as well. He's still in the process of coming back from from his. What, what was the vibe? What were your takeaways uh, hearing from those guys today, man? Well, first of all, you didn't have to pick up any slack on the Zoom call. You were at, you had other busier things you had to take care of with with men's basketball. But yeah, it was a very enlightening Zoom. Um, Marshawn Lloyd maybe gave one of the best media availabilities I've seen at South Carolina. The dude just gets it. So he was fantastic. And when you talk about Ortre and Dreek and, and Marshawn, they're guys that understand the process. They seem to have gone through the valley that is rehab and is long-term injuries. And they've come out better people and better players because of it. I mean, Ortre Smith talked about the knee feeling as good as it has in you know, since his freshman year, uh, it seems like he's been part of this program for like a decade. There are players you look back and you're covering and it's like you feel like you've covered them forever. And uh, he feels as good as he ever has. Um, Drake Davis is still in the process of getting back, he mentioned, but had two screws put into his leg, uh, which is why he opted out. One of the reasons why he opted out and, and Lloyd obviously working back from it. But as jovial and as optimistic and positive as I've seen someone that's coming off what he is, which is, I mean, an absolutely serious ACL injury. So um, great zoom. I, I thought it was very encouraging and optimistic from the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. And um, I, I was looking at your notes, man. I know a couple of the guys were asked maybe a little bit about, um, you know, the vibe around the program, whether it was talking about Luke Day um, I think maybe Ortrey got asked about Justin Step a little bit and working with him. Uh, there were some questions about Derek Moore. Um, what what were the the big takeaways from you as far as uh, the guys talking about maybe a new approach or some some of the new coaches that they're enjoying working with? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, it, it seems. I mean, Eric Douglas said something about the fact that it was they, people weren't looking out for just themselves anymore. That was a big takeaway of mine. Was that kind of perked my ears up. Um, said that people are kind of looking out for each other and not just from a position group standpoint, but 
Um, Derek Moore has been talking about building allegiances across position group lines. So with the secondary, if you're an offensive lineman building it with the secondary, the linebackers. So you build that trust that, you know, the way Eric Douglas said it was, if it's fourth and three, I'm going to have all the confidence in the world that that, that defense is going to get a stop because I've built that relationship with them and, and you have confidence in your brothers on the other side of the ball to do their job. So the vibe is just completely different. Um, and it, it's just more – there's more enthusiasm. There's more positive energy than in other years, um, just from what the players have been saying. And uh, Justin Stepp got a lot of glowing reviews. Um, Sat Marcus Satterfield got a lot of glowing reviews. And uh, Greg Atkins just got the view of a guy that just knows what he's talking about. Um, probably the, one of the more interesting guys on staff. And Eric Douglas was very complimentary of him. So um, it's what we expected. You never expect guys to come in and bash the coaches three games hit three practices into spring but um they're very positive signs coming out of spring practice and, and energy seems to be high without any live bullets flying yeah yeah they're not gonna be like these guys suck yeah. uh, but you know I, I think sometimes colin you can tell when a guy's giving a compliment just because he's like put on the spot and asked <laughs> to give a compliment like you have to say something nice versus right. they're going out of their way to maybe give a little more detail about why they're giving that compliment and giving you some reasons. When guys start giving you reasons uh, that they like the way things are being done, I think that actually speaks a little bit more than just your general run-of-the-mill uh, player-speak type stuff. Um, obviously, Luke Doty, we did hear from him um, a little bit last year once the policy got changed when Mike Bobo was the interim coach. But um, any – key takeaway from from Luke today obviously he's you know he's kind of you know going to be the positive guy every, every time he speaks I think but did anything catch your attention Colin no I mean first of all that dude is like triple rainbows coming out of his ears everything you know he could step in a puddle and just be happy that it wasn't mud filled I mean that's yeah. what that guy is but uh he yeah he was very complimentary of the offensive scheme uh, said that they hope to be able to use his athleticism if he's the starter to be able to run the ball. They like taking shots deep, but aren't going to sacrifice that for, you know, getting yards and and pushing the middle of the field and getting those mid, you know, five to ten yard, fifteen yard gains instead of the, the big explosive plays too. So, uh, likes what he's seen from Marcus Satterfield. Really hopes that uh, this is an offense that comes together, and he's he's been impressed with. He he heaped a lot of praise on. Colton Gauthier and Jason Brown, who've come in and, and he, I mean, Colton Gauthier was the star of this Zoom, uh, just in terms of the heap, the praise heaped on him from Doty and from a lot of different people about his ability to learn the playbook, about his just maturity as a freshman. And I mean, Doty was everything you'd expect him to be from a positive positivity standpoint and from a guy that's going to be a leader of this football team. Let's shift gears, Colin. Baseball this weekend, key yeah. three-game matchup. Um, looking outside right now, hopefully we're going to be good weather wise and man, I, I don't want to put, I don't want to be, you know, be the guy that puts way too much emphasis on one series, one weekend It's still week two of SEC play, but man, I, I can't escape the feel that this is a pivotal early season series for South Carolina in that it could sort of frame up the way we're talking about the rest of the SEC uh, series is for South Carolina, because you look, you're one and two right now. And, you know, I, I think with the 
the talent, the level of talent on these teams, South Carolina plays. If you, golly, man, if you get swept at home or even, you know, losing two out of three this week, you're just, you're going to be trying to dig out of that right. for the rest of the SEC slate. Um, I feel like they got a little positive momentum by beating Vanderbilt on Sunday. They played, uh, I would say, a business like just took care of business on on Wednesday, and that was a uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. I can't even remember. Um, that was a uh, that was I thought a very big positive for them to take the Vanderbilt win and parlay that into a good offensive and great start from Will Sanders midweek. So, am I wrong in thinking that this is a massive? series for South Carolina and how we're going to sort of frame the rest of SEC play. Yeah, this is, I mean, I don't want, like you said, I'm not going to heap too, too much onto one series, but just me internally, it, it feels like a big one that if you can win this series and start three and three in SEC play, because mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be a sweep by the way. I think South Carolina is going to get at least one game and it's a matter of can you get another? Can you beat a Tommy Mace or a Leftwich or a Barco um, to, to do that? And trust me, if they get off to a good start tonight and hit Tommy Mace and Thomas Farr does what Thomas Farr has been doing all season, I mean, you set yourself up really well for the weekend. Um, you need to, I mean, a win, series win this weekend would be huge because you have some very winnable series coming up with Georgia on the road next weekend um, and then Missouri at home. But it's just the stigma of beating Florida. You know, this is a rivalry that's – you've had College World Series matchups. I mean, there was 1v2 in 2016, if I'm not mistaken, where South Tyler the Tyler Johnson game, when he closed it out, I mean, the stigma of beating Florida and moving forward and building some confidence from that would be huge if you're South Carolina but with those winnable series. And uh, I was listening to Skylar Mee talk on the JB and Goldwater show Today, it's not like they went out there and um, I believed the the word Skyler used was donkey stomp. Um, they didn't donkey stomp Vanderbilt Sunday and just jump out to a big lead and coast. They had to come from behind in the eighth inning and win that game. Um, so that tells you that you can compete and play, you know, play well um, against a good team. And, and I think this is going to be huge for South Carolina. Yeah, and that – I, I don't know, especially if we look back and, and South Carolina has a good year. I don't know if we can really sort of down – I don't know if you can downplay how big stealing a final game from Vandy on Sunday was when you put it in the context of the fact that they had lost so many games in a row going into that. Like you said, you're down in the game. You're actually down pretty big early on mm-hmm. against a team that no hit you the night before. And, Colin, I I was sort of – when I was listening to the game, I heard on the broadcast in the background, I heard, I kept hearing this cheering and I was like, Oh, the, the Vandy fans are, are fired up today, even though there's nobody there. And then I realized that noise was from the South Carolina dugout, which it just caught my attention. How still into the game they were considering all the things we just talked about. I know some, some credit has been given to Kingston getting thrown out like all oh, that sparked the troops that fired him up. Um, I thought they remained fired up and remained in the game well before that, despite that. And uh, to me, that was sort of a, uh, a a revealing game for them in that this isn't just all talk. 
They aren't just guys that can goof around with the the props and stuff like that when they're winning. Uh, they don't just like each other when they're winning. They sort of stayed in that same headspace even when things were going really bad for, for a stretch. So, I again, I don't want to put too much into that, but also I think if we look back on this year and it's been a successful year, we maybe even circle that day and say that, that ended up being pivotal for them. Yeah, they don't shut up. And I mean that as a compliment. This team does not shut up. They're very close-knit. I mean, it's easy to see it with, obviously, the um, the Reaper and the, all the stupid stuff that they do and dropping the um, vocabulary words in press conferences. But this is a group that sticks together. It's not like, you know, if Julian Bosman goes out and gives up five runs in three innings, they're not going to sit there and say, well, you know, screw Julian and the game's over. They're going to go fight. And you saw that on Sunday. So yeah, this is a tight knit group and and you saw it Sunday, but then Tuesday, I mean, they were the, some of the more animated I've ever seen them. And that's coming off winning one of their last, what, seven games and that energy carried over and they had a pretty good offensive night. So this is one of those teams that is going to stick together through a lot of different stuff. They've gone through the battles together. Um, so I'm very excited to see just the energy that they come to the ballpark with. And if they can come in energized and ready to go and you get a good outing from Thomas Farr, you know, there's a chance you can take game one and then you set yourself up for a great spot over the course of the next two. Jonathan says, correction, Vandy on Sunday may have been the pivotal point if we continue this weekend. Um, I think that's what I said. If I didn't say Sunday, if I said the wrong day, that's what I meant was that the Vandy – the win over Vandy on Sunday was a pivotal point in the season. So we'll see if they can continue that. Uh, Colin, tell us, what, what do we need to know about Florida? Give us sort of a quick scouting report. Um, how, you know, how are they built? How do they win games? They're obviously 3-0. and They started their SEC schedule off right, I think, against Missouri last week. Uh, they're 3-0. and No, Texas A&M. Okay, um, yeah. uh, they're 3-0, and but they, they always pitch, it seems like. Um, I was looking at the stats. Head to head, they they do have a little bit of an edge over South Carolina, just kind of across the board. But um, what type of team is this version of Florida? It's very similar, pitching wise, very similar offensively. Kind of a little different, but I mean, it's what you expect from a Florida team. Tommy Mace is a first round talent, which I feel like I say that every week going into the SEC slate. Um, Jack Left, which is really good, uh, he's leading the team starters and. Um, you know, ERA, Hunter Barco, again, a lefty that South Carolina is going to have to get after. Uh, and offensively, they're not a team that hits for a lot of power, but they, I mean, they're leading the SEC in hits. They just, they knock the ball around pitchers and that's how they win games. Um, so if you can keep the ball down, um, if you can get to a starter and get to that bullpen, then you feel pretty good about chances but it's a good pitching staff um and these are probably going to be low scoring games because both staffs are just both are just absolutely elite and it should be a fun fun weekend of, of some probably three really close games yeah three good games by the way patrick asked uh, if the games are on tv so tonight's game is at seven o'clock you can check that one on network plus uh saturday is on sec network plus sunday on the big boy sec network really i mean we're we're spoiled now i mean it used yeah. to be that um if, if the games weren't on TV, there was a time when a lot of them were not on TV. And then if they weren't, you couldn't watch them or you were just left with an 
just sort of one camera type stream and, and, and it was tough. Well, now all the SEC games are pretty much on SEC Network Plus. So just, uh, you know, log in on your Fire Stick or Hulu and get the ESPN app and, and uh, you'll be good to go to watch that as long as your um, TV provider has SEC Network in your package. So, Colin, uh, there's been a little bit of a possible change on the Sunday starter as far as the pitchers go. Um, what, what's your take on this? Is this a situation where maybe Brett Carey, if you use him, you know, if you need to use him, you throw him out there. If you don't, you start him on Sunday. Is it premature to say that? Is that your guess as well? I think, I mean, we can probably agree. I would guess they went into this after the last two weeks saying we can't go into the latter part of many Sunday games and have not used Brett Carey, you know, at that point. So is that your guess or are other guys in the mix for that spot as well? I mean, if I had to put money on it, I'd put money on either Julian Bosnick or Brett Carey being your Sunday starter. I mean – Sure, Andy Peters has starter-like stuff. Jack Mahoney has starter-like stuff. But those are the two leading candidates in Bosnick and and Carey. And this TBA on Sunday gives you the flexibility to where if you need Brett Carey to to win you a game on Friday or Saturday and shut them down for two innings or three innings, you got him. And you can use him so you're not slotted into that. But if if you don't need him the first two games, then – boom, you have a guy that's gone out there and started before on the weekend and, you know, shut down a good Vanderbilt offense on Sunday for five and two thirds on a very low pitch count for that long of a a start. So, um, yeah, that's my guess is how they're going to work at Kingston was very, um, coy when I double, you know, followed up and asked him about it. But, uh, that seems to be the, the thought process just from me looking at it. Um, whether that's Kerry or Bosnick starting on Sunday, but they just wanted to do that to give some flexibility to things. Yeah. And I, uh, I got to think, man, at at some point, if it continues the way it is, um, at some point, Will Sanders may push his way into this mix as well, depending on what happens with the guys, just because, I mean, dude, I, I thought he was outstanding um, on Tuesday. Whatever day it was, they've all run together. together. They all blend together this time. They played on Tuesday. But, dude, he was outstanding. And to me, at at some point – and Elizabeth Elizabeth has asked, Kyle, and I'll throw it to you, can Sanders start Sunday or did he throw too many pitches on Tuesday? Um, It sounds like you don't think that's necessarily one of the options. But as a hypothetical, um, would we be at that point yet or would it be more like if things don't work out this week they would go ahead and sort of be preparing for maybe him to be a guy in the mix next week. Yeah. I don't see Stan. I don't see, you never say never. I'll preface it with that, but I don't see Sanders starting this week. Um, like I said, I think those two probable candidates are Bosnick and Kerry. Uh, I think Sanders will be a big piece out of the bullpen. Um, I don't think you'll see him tonight just from the fact that he threw, I think 67 pitches, you know, a couple days ago. Uh, but I'm not ruling out seeing him either Saturday or Sunday from out of the bullpen. Um, he is someone with weekend-like stuff who is incredibly good. I don't. I think if the draft was different and he was here without Thomas Farr and Brandon Jordan, he would mm-hmm. be a starter as a freshman. I just think that that's the case. Um, he has first-round level potential in his time at South Carolina. Um, I'm not ruling out him being a guy that uh, 
starts at some point this year, but I don't see it this week, and I think he's more of a bullpen guy. I got you. And uh, final thing here, Colin, um, what what are your keys to victory, real quick, uh, for for South Carolina or you know or for Florida? What what are going to be sort of the keys you watch this week that are going to maybe swing this thing one way or the other? Yeah, I think South Carolina is going to have to take advantage of some Florida mishaps. They're not a very they're not a great defensive team, um, and South Carolina has struggled with runners in scoring position as of late during that six game skid. So. If you get guys on base, then you need to be able to take advantage and drive in some runs with it. And um, obviously not allowing inherited runners to score. That's been an issue over the last couple of weeks with the bullpen, allowing inherited guys coming in with guys on base and then giving them up. Um, so that's something that I think needs to continue to be better. They've been good this year, but needs to be better. Um, and I think you need to get Andrew Eister going because he's he's really struggled. Uh, the last two weeks, and I think he's hitting like 100 on you know over the last eight games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you need to get him going and stop him from striking out so much. And if you can do that, <laughs> that's power bat in the power bat in the lineup, which is so weird for me to see, man, because I feel like Eister um, is like a hitterish dude, right? Like he's yeah. just one of those guys that just finds hits. So yeah. it's it's weird to see him struggling. I he he's gonna he's yeah, I'm still a hitter. It, it won't last, and he'll go off, uh, I think, and, and even things out. But, again, should be a fun series, man. Like you said, you'll, you'll have complete coverage there on Gamecock Central, as always. Um, I was looking through the notes, man. With everything that's happened between South Carolina and Florida over the years, there, I mean, there have been some big key matchups. Obviously, they played for a national championship. Through all that, a 48-47 to 47 overall series advantage head-to-head for Florida. So these two teams or these two programs will go big picture. These two programs as even as they could possibly be over the years. And both have been at the absolute top of the sport um, at various times in the last decade as well. So we'll be fun as always, Colin. We appreciate the time as always, man. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Yep. Colin Taylor with good stuff as always. And I, I think Chris is just done with us for the day. Um, must've been a really important phone call. Uh, so hopefully uh, we'll get the scoop on what that was. And, uh, for everybody else, for all of our folks here in the chat and everybody that has listened on the show, um, we appreciate you. We appreciate the support as always. And, um, leave us a review, whether it's positive or not, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, please hit the rate review, subscribe buttons on the podcast side, hit subscribe on YouTube. And of course, come check us out. Gamecockcentral.com. Complete coverage this weekend, baseball, men's basketball situation, women's basketball as they try to get back to the Elite Eight. Should be a fun game on Sunday afternoon. And um, even more going on. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate all the support. Hope y'all have a great weekend. Hope that it stays dry. And we hope to see you on Monday.